Good day, brothers and sisters, and welcome to New Creation Realities. And we're going to go ahead and continue with our lessons, Let There Be Light. And what I'd like to do for this lesson, I would like to uh, continue basically where we were from our previous lesson concerning the gospel and the testimony, the testimony of the gospel. And so what I want to do, I'd like to ask once again, which I've already asked and we've already, we should know the response by now. How many Gospels are there? And you should be thinking one. Uh, There's only one Gospel. And the reason for this is because there is only one Son. There is only one Messiah. There is only one Christ. There is only one Son of God. There is only one new creation. There is only one God, one Father, one Lord, one Spirit, one baptism. With God, there is always only one. With man, man has a myriad. But with God, it is singular. Singular and masculine. His Son, Jesus Christ. And so, I want to go ahead and read a passage. I'm not sure if we read it in our previous class. But this is Galatians. Let me go ahead and turn there real quick. I didn't have it copied over in my notes. Galatians... Chapter 1, verse 6 through 9. This is the Apostle Paul speaking to the church, speaking to the church in Galatia and declaring not his own mind, declaring not his thought, not his doctrine, not his concept, not not even what he believes, but he is declaring the eternal mind of God. Galatians chapter 1, verse 6. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from Him. Not from the message that I preach to you, not from the teaching that I deliver to you, not from the doctrine I uh, declare to you. No, no, no. That you are turning away so soon from Him. Give me just a second. And what I was doing, actually what I am doing, still doing, to remove from who? Ho. That's the lexeme for tu. The article is masculine, singular, genitive. The who which. So yes, it is in there. 
in the original Greek. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him. Remember, everything that the Apostle Paul declared was not a message. It was not his message. It was not his teaching. It was not his doctrine. He was declaring a person with every doctrine that he communicated, with every teaching he communicated, with the entirety of the message that he communicated. He was always declaring a person. So he can say, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who would trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. <clears throat> and right here, <clears throat> excuse me, right here, basically, I used this as an example uh, give me just a second. I'll mark it down, my example, since I didn't have it marked down, written down. If you have a glass of purified water, and you add some dirt from the outside, well, you have a mixture. You have... You have perverted the water in a sense. You, well, no, you haven't perverted the water. The water is, still remains pure, but you have added something to that. You have added an alloy, not an alloy. You've added, you've added something other than the pure water that was there before. Now, that's just a natural example. But basically, brothers and sisters, just bear with me. Jesus equals Jesus. Jesus plus does not equal Jesus. Nope, I've got a different diagram. <laughs> you know, <clears throat> Jesus plus, and what I mean by that is anything, anything. If it's not solely and exclusively Christ himself, then it's not the gospel. Paul would say basically uh, something less than a gospel, uh, but there, uh, which is not another, a different gospel. But wait, no, there isn't a different good news. There isn't a different gospel. There's just the gospel or man perverting it by his own perverted heart. <clears throat> and the reason, once again, why there is only one gospel is because there is only one Son. God always and will always offer one, His Son, and nothing less. Nothing, nothing less. Now God can do and use, listen, many things to bring unto this one Son, unto His one Son, But unto the soul, he offers nothing less than his son. God did not have 
some great message he wanted to communicate. He did not have some great idea, some great teaching, some great doctrine. No, no, no. He has his son who is great in the eyes of the Father. I guess my question for us would be, how great is Christ, the Son of God, unto us? As we continue on in the Lord, brothers and sisters, you will become more and more great unto us. Now, in the New Testament... There are four different, once again, in the New Testament, four different evangelists are declaring the same gospel, the same one. And we do have the gospel according to Matthew, or the gospel according to St. Matthew, the gospel according to St. Mark, the gospel according to St. Luke, and the gospel according to St. John. But they are four that God chose who were... Yes, beholding the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ and declaring the one whom they were beholding. And you see this especially with the Gospel of John. All right. Now concerning the glory of God, you must, and once again, we did cover uh, this in our previous lesson, but I just wanted to mention it again with what we're about to look look at in a second. You must be born again to see the glory of God. And as I mentioned before, the church wants the world to see the glory of God. Uh, Basically, we want the world to see the glory of God in our own face. Uh, Brothers and sisters, you must be born again to see the glory of God. That's just the way it is. Now, we did mention about the tabernacle, and I want to read the verse because I didn't read the verse. I think I just mentioned it. Or maybe I did. Yeah, I think I did. Exodus chapter 27, verse 18. The length of the court, now this is speaking of the outer court of the tabernacle. The length of the court shall be 100 cubits, the width 50 throughout, and the height, five cubits of fine woven linen and its sockets of bronze. So five cubits, and that's basically seven and a half feet. Now, seven and a half feet, once again, is taller than the average person. So you had to be on the inside to be able to see and know what was going on on the inside. you must be born again to see the glory of God. The soul has had to have undertaken new birth, the miracle of new birth, to be able to see the glory of God, brothers and sisters. Um, The only way... Yes, I like this. Uh, You have to be... You had and have to be on the inside to see what was on the inside, what was going on on the inside. The dead are buried, listen, below, not even above ground. No. 
before we were born again and all those who are not born again, they, their soul is dead, buried among the dead. This is because of the work of Jesus Christ upon the cross. Making a way, a door in himself so that the soul can actually receive life. But until that moment, that miracle happen, that miracle of God happens in the, in the soul, then that soul is dead, buried among the dead, below. All right? Now, the only way that the world will see the glory of God is if Christ is present in the soul. The only way that the church, we who are born again, will see the glory of God, who is present in the soul, is if the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, works, labors in our heart to prepare the ground of our heart and direct and guide the heart from our ignorance the knowledge of man, natural man, below, unto the knowledge of God above. From looking into the natural face in a natural mirror, give me a second, didn't have that in my notes, Unto looking unto the eternal face in the eternal divine mirror of God, the face of Jesus Christ. Looking into the face of Jesus Christ, the eternal image of God, and looking into the eternal and divine mirror actually bringing us from the divine mirror, which is the testimony unto the person of the face himself. <laughs> so looking into the mirror, unto looking into the person, unto the substance. I had to clarify that <clears throat> for us. Because I will say this, there was a time when I was in Bible school, and I'm, I'm so thankful that the Lord was merciful unto me, uh, because during the time that I was in Bible school, there was envi an environment created in my heart where... God had mercy to such a degree that I began seeing the light of the testimony in the scriptures. I mean, listen to the way I say this. I began to see Jesus in the scriptures where I had never seen him before. Now, for any person that has been fumbling around in darkness, for there to be even the slightest glimmer of light, Brothers and sisters, that is cause for great rejoicing. But the thing with me is that I was, con well, I'll say it. I knew, I, I didn't believe, no, I knew that I was seeing Jesus in the scriptures. And that is the testimony. That is the light that God gives. I was convinced that I'd seen the Lord. Well, I had seen the Lord in the testimony in the scriptures. But there's a difference between seeing the Lord in the scriptures, in the testimony, versus seeing the face of the, face of the person himself. Both require a miracle of God. 
but one prepares you for the greater. And in the light of the countenance of the face of Jesus Christ, then it is beholding the more excellent glory. But there was a time, and I will say this, there was a time during Bible school, after Bible school, that that I believe, listen to the way I say this, that I had believed that I had arrived in, in, a, in a figurative of a speech, uh, that, that, I, that in my mind I could say, I got it. Well, we know even as the testimony of the glory of God was fading from the face of Moses, that would fade also. See, the, test, the light of the testimony serves a purpose, but the light of the testimony is a fading light. It's a fading glory. But it's there with purpose to direct us, to direct our heart unto the true light of the world, the true light of the creation of God that does not fade. That does not fade. And so that's why I really wanted to clarify that just a little bit ago. <clears throat> so where were we? Uh, In the face of Jesus Christ, we will see the glory of God with the eye of the heart, the eye of the soul, the eye of the understanding, not with the natural eye. Now, everything and anything we can see, we can look at, we can behold with a natural eye, brothers and sisters, is below. That's, that's just what it is. And so, and where are we looking? If it is below, then it is natural seeing. And it's a natural judgment, which judgment is unrighteous, which God calls ignorance and darkness. Remember, just... I don't know if I should move that chalkboard to get to the one behind there. But the natural mind of Adam, the Adamic mind, belongs to the Adamic man, the man that does not have life, the man in in whose soul Christ is not present. That man is dead, buried below among the dead. My brothers and sisters, our life is not found buried below among the dead. Remember the testimony of the two angels, the two witnesses. He is risen. Now, if our hearts are subject, are um, I guess that's the word subject, to the natural mind, which is ignorance, vanity, darkness, then all we will see is that which is below and it is an unrighteous judgment. Because I can say this right now, and I can say, for those of you, this is a visual thing, for those of you watching the video, or you can just do this in general, any person you see, well, let, let me clarify this. If you look at a believer of one who is truly and genuinely born again, you look at them, 
And you'll probably say something like, you know what? They're not risen. No, no. And you'll, then, then you'll go on. No, maybe someday they'll, they'll rise. Yeah, in the resurrection. Yeah, just like they told Jesus with the death of Lazarus. Yes, Lord, yes, I know. If, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But, but I know, I know that, uh, someday in the resurrection, uh, and Jesus has to basically interrupt her theology, interrupt her doctrine, and say, wait, hold on. I am the resurrection. Where I am present, resurrection is present. And see, if you look at me, or if you look at any other brother and sister, you will say, no, they're, they're not risen. They're, no, they're not. I see them. It is an unrighteous judgment, brothers and sisters. Remember, we cannot see our own soul. God can. Man looks upon the outward appearance, but God looketh upon the heart. If you are born again, guess what? Jesus is in you, whether you can see him or not. But the Holy Spirit of God is faithful to lead, to guide us unto all truth who Christ himself is. <clears throat> Just as God by his own ability, by his own power, has brought our soul from death unto life, he desires, by his same ability, by his same power, to bring our heart in knowledge from ignorance and darkness unto knowledge and light above. And I've got to stress that above. <clears throat> so if we are looking below, it's a natural scene. And it is unrighteous. It is an unrighteous judgment. And yet the Lord in the testimony says it clearly to Moses to tell the children of Israel, this is after the death of the lamb and after the burial. He says, you saw what I did to the Egyptians and how that I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you unto myself. That is a true testimony, brothers and sisters, of the work of our Lord of the finished work of our Lord, of the consummated work of our Lord. And then Jesus himself speaks to his disciples who would, yes, at the day of Pentecost, be born again. But he says this to them, in that day, you will know that I am in my Father. You are in me and I am in you. This was what they would come to know by the work of the Holy Spirit, after they were born again. But you must be born again. We'll eventually read Colossians chapter 3. <laughs> All right. The natural man sees with the natural eye. That is the one who's not born again. And as I stated, if our heart is submitted unto the natural mind, then we see exactly the same thing an unbeliever sees. An unbeliever says, No, you Christians, you who are born again, you're not, your life isn't risen. I see you right here. And then the Christians, we who are born again, look at each other and say, You know what? They got a point. <laughs> We're still here. Well, it doesn't matter where our natural tent is, brothers and sisters. 
What matters, listen, is where our life is. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He is either true when he says this, or he is the greatest liar there ever was. My brothers and sisters, our Lord is the only truth there is. These natural eyes, they lie to us. Yes, they do. But see, God labors ever so faithfully by His Holy Spirit to continually direct and bring, direct, guide, and bring, listen, always above. It is always above. First for new birth. Remember, the soul that is not born again is dead, buried below among the dead. And the Holy Spirit is laboring upon the ground of the soul to be able to hear the voice of the living one, the only living one, So that the soul, by the ability of God, might be able to hear the voice and respond to the voice. When this happens by a miracle of God, because it is a miracle of God, it is God's doing, not man. Remember, with man it is impossible. But when this happens, then Christ appears in the soul where he was not before. And because he has appeared in the soul, that soul has literally been brought from death below unto life above. The soul has been brought in resurrection because the resurrection is now present in the soul. Once again, Jesus said this, in that day, not in that night. No, in that day you will know. I am in my Father, you are in me, and I am in you. So the natural man sees with the natural eye, so do believers whose hearts are submitted to the natural mind, though we have the mind of Christ. But your heart cannot be submitted unto both, unto two at the same time. It's No, no, no. no. With man, as I stated, there's a great mixture. With God, no, there's not. It is either either or. It is either Adam or it is either the second man, the Lord from heaven, Christ. It is either I or it is not I, but Christ. We can't serve two masters at the same time, brothers and sisters. It is one or the other. If I am beholding my natural face or your natural face in a natural mirror, the mind of the first, the, the face of the first man, Adam, then it is impossible for me to be holding the face of the second man, the Lord from heaven, the face of him who is our life, the face of our life, who Christ is. One or the other, one or the other. You're beholding the face of one and giving your back to the other, or you're beholding the face of the greater if you have turned a true repentance by the work of the Holy Spirit, and now you are giving your back unto the lesser. The Holy Spirit is always laboring to direct and bring the soul above. First at the moment of new birth, which we already mentioned. Then, for the one who's born again, the second, for the knowledge of new birth. This is the heart. But it's always above. Always above. 
See, <clears throat> remember, if Christ is not present in the soul, then the soul is dead, buried below the land of the living. But if Christ is present in the soul, then the soul has been translated, has been brought by God himself, by on eagle's wings, unto himself. Resurrection. Above. He is risen. Our life, my brothers and sisters, is risen. So now the heart. If our heart is submitted unto the natural knowledge of man below, then it is ignorance and darkness. But the Holy Spirit continues laboring the exact same way, in the exact same manner that brought us unto new birth, that now our hearts in knowledge may be brought from the ignorance and darkness of the natural mind below unto the eternal knowledge, the mind of Christ above where there is light. And for I will say this, and I may offend some, but I'll say it anyway. But when I was first born again, I had this thought, and it was mainly because of what I'd been taught and what I'd, the doctrines that I'd heard, uh, that the work of the Holy Spirit was for miracle signs and wonders, for, was for prophesying, was for uh, speaking in tongues and all this. And no, brothers and sisters, that is not correct. That is not why God sent His Spirit. No, no. Now listen, don't get upset. Don't fully get upset yet. The Holy Spirit can use all of those things to serve the purpose that He serves. To serve the labor that He labors in. To serve the work that He works in. That is, to direct, guide, and bring above unto the person of Christ. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said it himself. When he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. Truth is not found in the natural mind, brothers and sisters. Not the mind of Adam. No, I mean, <laughs> you want proof? What? I mean, <laughs> even Pilate, be, Pilate standing before the only truth there has ever been, asks him, what is truth? There is no truth in the natural man. There is no truth in the natural mind. Christ is the risen man, the glorified man, the glorified Lord from heaven, the God-man. The glorified seed, Son of God. The Holy Spirit is always directing and bringing above. This is good news. <laughs> now, the Holy Spirit can do, once again, these things, the miracle signs, wonders, the healings, uh, the gifts, I mean, they call them the gifts of the Spirit. Yes, all that. But it will be with purpose to serve His work direct and bring above unto the person of Christ. Always, always, always with purpose. Always with purpose. 
our life is not found, once again, we who are born again, our life is not found among the dead. No. Our life is a risen life. Our life is Christ. Now, if we are seen with a natural eye, once again, where are we looking? Let me rephrase the question. Where is the natural seen with the natural eye? Let me, where are, where is the natural, where are, where are, got to rephrase that question, that didn't make sense. Where are, where are the natural things, stuff, I'll just use words, I'll use the word stuff. Where's the natural stuff seen with a natural eye? Below. Everything below, on this earth, below. Once again, below where our concepts are found is what God calls darkness, ignorance, unrighteous judgment, Unrighteous judgment. Seeing with a natural eye is seeing below. Not, and if we are seeing below, brothers and sisters, if we are looking below, if we are viewing below, then we are not seeing, listen, the invisible God. Invisible to the natural senses. I hath not seen. Natural eye hath not seen. Natural ear hath not heard. Once again, these are the things that we are so familiar with. <clears throat> now, seeing, for lack of better words, better terms, seeing with a spiritual, the divine eye, is not seeing spiritual things. Plural, no, no. It is seen above, seen with an unveiled face, the invisible God, singular, plural, excuse me, <laughs> singular masculine, there we go. I had to correct myself. Singular masculine, the invisible God, listen, in the face of Jesus Christ. Jesus himself said, no man cometh unto the Father, but by me. If we want to see God, we have to find him in the face, in the person of Jesus Christ. Philip, once again in the Gospel of John, here's Philip. Show us the Father, and that's sufficient. That suffice. That's good. That's all we need. Jesus, what is Jesus' response? Philip, how long have I been with you? Have you not known me? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Once again, everything and anything of God cannot, will not, will never be found apart from the person of Jesus Christ, his Son. No. If we are looking for something of God, it must be found in the person of Christ, or we will not find it at all. And our looking will be in vain, because we, we will be trying to find it in the face of the first man, Adam. Not in the face 
of the second man, the Lord from heaven, who is the only true image of God. All right. Our mind, now yes, it will either be, let me write that there, either be, B is with one, <laughs> with one E, not two. It will, excuse me, it will either be our mind, the mind of man, the natural mind, or the eternal mind of God above, which is the mind of Christ. One or the other. Remember, we cannot serve two masters. Our, our eyes were created to see singular single singleness like I can put my red pen in front of me and both of my listen both plural of my eyes should be focused upon one object and if I move that object to your right I hope that was your right and if I look at it with my eyes both of my eyes should see the same and then back to the center and then back to then actually not back but then to your left. Both of my eyes should be functioning as one. Now, <clears throat> both my fingers. Here we go. My two index fingers, one on top of the other. I should be seeing one finger with both my eyes. But now, if I start putting my, you know, spreading my fingers apart, I'm going to have to choose at some point which one I'm going to look at. Now, I know I do have peripheral vision, just like all of us in the natural, but at some point, I can't see anything concerning my fingers, concerning the object that I'm speaking of. So I have to choose where I'm going to see the finger on my, or on your left, excuse me, right? <laughs> or the finger on your left, my right. Do you see what I mean? We are either beholding the natural face of the Adamic man below and giving our back unto God, or by the tender mercy and ever-bounding grace of God, through a work of the Holy Spirit, our hearts have experienced a true repentance and have turned unto the voice that speaks with our hearts. And now we are beholding the face of Jesus Christ and giving our back to everything that is not. No mixture with God. Remember, no mixture with God whatsoever. <clears throat> and like us, I would like us to read in Colossians. And here we go. We've read this passage several times, but it bears repeating. Now, this is the Apostle Paul. Once again, this is a brother. This is we who are born again. This is our brother who is not communicating to us a new teaching or a new doctrine or a new message. No, he's not declaring to us anything like that. He's, in fact, he's not declaring to us a message, a doctrine or a teaching. He's declaring to us the one whom he himself beholds as the spirit of God brings his heart from ignorance and darkness below unto the eternal light of God above. Christ Jesus the Lord. And remember, our brother was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. 
That is saying that he continued by work of the Holy Spirit. His heart continued turning above. Therefore, God permitted him, allowed him to declare the one whom he saw. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. If then, now he's speaking to us who are born again to the church. Now, this is, this is what he said. If then you were raised with Christ, and you can say, oh, well, Jimmy, you just said if. Well, you can look at it with Weist's translation. It's, it's, it's a better translation. It says, uh, seen then, since then, because right here, I mean, the way they translated it was a, with like, like basically like this. There's a conditional statement. Well, brothers and sisters, if you are born again, the condition has been met because Christ is in you. Your soul could not be found above in Christ if Christ, who is the resurrection, were not found in your soul. So the condition for the born again believer, the condition has been met. It was met at the moment of new birth. So if then, since then, because of the fact, in view of the fact that you were raised with Christ, seek that which is above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on that which is above, not on the things of the earth below. For you have, for you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And I'm going to add above, because that's the testimony of the two witnesses, of the two angels. Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here he is risen. Now, he goes on. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Remember what Jesus said. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father. You are in me, and I am in you. Brothers and sisters, this day is when God the Father declares into our heart, let there be light. This is God the Father revealing His Son, who is the light of life. Now concerning verse 1, <clears throat> where the Apostle Paul says, Since then, in view of the fact that you were raised with Christ, the natural eye equals a natural judgment. And then you can think of you can think this of yourself, or you can think this of some other believer. I don't see myself yet risen, or I don't see them yet risen because I see them with my natural eye. Well, brothers and sisters, who is true and who is a liar? Let God be true and all men liars. Remember, the natural eye is an unrighteous judgment. Even, yes, Jesus said, if your eye is single, then your whole body is full of light. If your eye is good. Now, <clears throat> I do want to read... Oh, 
Yeah, concerning uh, Colossians, sorry, I had, I knew I had something written somewhere. I've got it on the next page. It didn't fit on the original page, first page. Uh, concerning Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, uh, before God reveals his Son, we do not see our life risen. Christ, the resurrection, is our life. Once again, in that day, you will know. And I hear that it is starting to pour outside, rain. All right. So Matthew chapter 16, verse 27. I want to read verse uh, 27 through 28. For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. Assuredly, I say to you, there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And he's about to define it. And we're going to go on, and we're going to begin reading Matthew chapter 17. Verses uh, 1 through 8. Now, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And I can't remember if I've mentioned this before, but I will mention it uh, right now. Right here, this after six days, uh, we we see the number six first found in the testimony. Man was created, the first man, Adam, Adam was created on the sixth day, on day six. And yet the evangelist here, right right here, says, now after six days. So we'll see that also in, in, in Mark, in the Gospel of Mark, or in the Gospel according to Mark. So after six days, he, they're, they're just setting it up for us. To understand, look, this is after the first man, Adam. Because while in the first man, Adam, there can be none of the rest. God created a natural creation in six days and rested on the seventh day. And so the seventh, the seven days is a full, complete creation, which is a natural creation, which was supposed to testify, which was created to testify of Jesus Christ. And so right here, after six days, this the follow basically it means the following is not after the natural mind. It's not subject to the natural mind, the carnal mind, the ignorant mind, the mind below, the mind of every man born of Adam. So now, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and this is the Lord taking the initiative. Man cannot do this. Remember, it is a miracle of God from beginning to end. Man cannot do this. With man, it is forever impossible. Let's see. Oh, yes, I forgot to mention, because of, it says, now after six days, it is after the time of Adam, after the time of the natural creation. So it says, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, because they could not come 
on their own. The Lord took them, the Lord brought them himself. And so he does to this very day. Led them up on high, on a high mountain by themselves. I I don't know if you can see just all this symbolism. Led them up upon a high mountain, up on a high mountain. Away from the natural mind, away from the natural reasoning, away from the natural concepts, away from the thought of man unto the eternal mind of God, which is not a concept, but a person. And he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. So here's the Lord bringing, at this time, three from everything that is found below, the work and ability of man, man, because it was after six days, unto the eternal mind of God. He was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. A beautiful picture. Remember, the Holy Spirit continually directing, guiding, and bringing above. It goes on. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. Coming from darkness below unto the light of the testimony with, yes, Moses and Elijah. Moses, the law. Elijah, the prophets. There you have the sum totality of the law and the prophets declaring one. So you have the light of the testimony, but with purpose, always with purpose. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. You're just another guy in the bunch. No, 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 no. These guys in the testimony, these guys in the book of Genesis, from the book of Genesis all the way through the book of Malachi, only declared this man who was coming. Jesus is not one in the bunch. No, no. The bunch declared him. It's good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, probably didn't even finish his thought. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. Verse 7, But Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and do not be afraid. Right here. Arise and do not be afraid. The Lord bringing them where they cannot come by their own ability. Arise, do not be afraid. When they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. Beautiful order, beautiful progression. Coming from darkness unto the light of the testimony, Moses and Elijah. Unto the eternal light of God, who is Jesus Christ.
the light of the world, the light of the creation of God. To see the glory of God, the heart must arise, come up in knowledge unto where the soul has already come up in reality, the moment of new birth. And once again, brothers and sisters, this is a miracle of God for this to take place. You cannot do this. I cannot do this. We could not make ourselves to be born again. What makes us think that we now have the ability to know the new birth? With man, it is always impossible. We find the, the same account in, in Mark chapter 8, verse 38 through Mark chapter 1, excuse me, Mark chapter 9, verses 1 through 8. And then Luke, the same account, uh, Luke chapter 9, verse 26 through 27, and then verse 28, which I'm going to read right now because it has a very <clears throat> distinct way that Luke wrote it. Now, this is the Gospel of Luke, chapter 8, chapter 9, verse 28. Now, let me rephrase that. The Gospel according to Luke. Chapter 9, verse 28. Now, it came to pass. Look, look at this. Totally inspired of, of God. Well, the others were inspired as well. But this is just kind of clarifying, lest there be any doubt in our hearts by what we've read before, where it says, you know, now after six days, okay, well, maybe I'm stretching it a bit. No, maybe not. I don't think so. Look at this. Just for our own sakes, God makes it very clear without doubt. Look at this. Now it came to pass about eight days after these things. Think of the testimony in Genesis once again. Man was created on the sixth day. God had finished a whole entire creation on the sixth day. On the seventh day, he had rested. So the natural creation is bound, confined to seven days. And yet the Lord has Luke write eight, the eighth day, basically, eight days after these sayings. The eighth day, brothers and sisters, is the new creation. It is a creation outside of time because it is a man not bound to time. It is the eternal Christ himself. To see the glory of God, one must be born again. Remember our previous class, we as the church, we want the world to see the glory of God. Brothers and sisters, the world cannot see the glory of God. And for us to be able, we who are born again, to see the glory of God right here, the Lord has to work a miracle and bring us above. Now it came to pass eight days after these sayings that he took, he took, he did this, Peter, John, and James, and went up on the mountain to pray. And as he prayed, the appearance of his face was altered and his robe became white and glistening. And then it goes on basically the same thing, <clears throat> saying they're the same thing. 
And this account can only be experienced, this account that we've read, well, we didn't read it in the book of Mark, but the same account of seeing the glorified risen Lord, that's what it was, can only be for the soul that is born again. It can only be by work of God himself. For new birth, and then for the knowledge of new birth. One last passage, and then we'll end with this. This is 2 Peter chapter 1, starting with verse 16. And this is Peter, and I know we've probably read this verse, but it's Peter recounting the transfiguration upon the Holy Mount. And he says, he's speaking to the church, for the church, those who are born again. For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Basically saying, this, what we're declaring to you and what we have followed is not anything of man. Listen, not anything of the seven-day natural creation. But were eyewitnesses of his majesty for he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And we heard this voice which came from heaven, not from below, from above. When we were with him, when we were with him, just think of the testimony of that, when we were already with him on the holy mountain. You must be born again. Remember, Jesus said, In that day you will know, I am in my Father, you are in me, and I am in you. When we were with him on the holy mountain, and so we have the prophetic word confirmed. Basically, the law and the prophets, the testimony which you do well to take heed as unto a light that shines in a dark place. Remember as I shared earlier in the class. Yes, the light of the testimony, brothers and sisters, is a well-received, well-pleasing, and well, a light that is to rejoice in. Which you do well to take heed as a light that shines in a dark place, until let the light of the testimony by the work of the Holy Spirit have its perfect work in our hearts until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Until by work of God, the work of the Holy Spirit, the ability of God, the heart comes from the light of the testimony unto the light of God found in the face, in the person of Jesus Christ himself. So, that's all I have for this class. Please present this to the Holy Spirit, our true teacher, that he may take that which he desires to take, use it for God's end, and God's purpose. Amen. Amen. Lord bless you. We'll see you in our next lesson. Amen.